Welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know, a J10 initiative. All right, hit it, Father Nathan Goebel. We're going? Yes, we're going. Uh, welcome to Catholic Stuff You Should Know. This is Father Mike. Father Nathan. That's Father Nathan, the true gobes, the goblin. I was, I was hey, in- what is a goblin? A goblin? Yeah, it's we're getting close to Halloween. I was wondering what a goblin is. I don't even know. I know what a troll is, internet trolls. Mm-hmm. I don't even know what a goblin is. I don't know when the first goblin came into a description, but uh, I see a, a troll as being more like dull, like a big ogre, Uh huh. whereas like a goblin's kind of sneaky and uh, thin, gangly. Um, kind of vicious. Um, trolls just kind of lumber, and they got that big club and right under the bridge, right. But the goblin is like he's he or she um, is um, very uh, I don't know, sneaky, bloodthirsty, sneaky. Yeah. All right. Well, let's see. Um, yeah, maybe like a golem or something. Kind of golem-esque. Uh, that reminds me of fish. And I seen your picture of a big fish. Oh, yeah. Dude, that was awesome. I went fishing up in Kremlin uh, on retreat and caught a nice brown trout. It was amazing. My rod snapped. No. Broke. Yeah. Trying to reel it in? Yeah. Oh, that's a good fish. Yeah, it was. And, uh, and yeah, I was- And a good line, too. Oh, it, I mean, this is one of the simple things of life. Uh, but when you're um, when your knots hold, you feel really, really good. You yeah, know, yeah, like it's a good time. If, if everything, if everything goes right on that, it means that you made a good knot, and uh, and that like that. That's the I feel like the joy of fly fishing is that like you chose you chose the fly that you're going to use. You chose the depth. You show you made the cast. Um, you set the hook. Um, you played the fish, and then uh, the biggest change, honestly, in my fly fishing arsenal is I finally caved and got a net. And a net is an important an important thing. You can't over you can't overplay a fish or underplay a fish. Underplay is like you just try to hog him in and then eventually like put him in the net and, you know, get on with it. But like overplay it is like at some point you have to lift the fish out of the water and the line's pretty delicate. So trying to get a trout out of the water is a difficult task. They're slippery fish too. Slippery fish. So if you just net it, it's perfect. So I was... Um, I also think it's it's less traumatic to the fish. Right. Probably. Which is nice. Yeah. Yeah. So, anyways, uh, you know, we have a rule on uh, the, uh, uh, what is it, Joie de Vie. That's my dad's boat, Joie de Vie. Oh, really? Um, Joie de Vie. Joie de Vie. It's a great boat. Um, the, um, uh, if it's not in the boat, it's not a catch. So, right. it, doesn't, it doesn't count. You can catch, you can set a big, you set a big fish and you can play it and people will be like, whoa, like, I mean, I cannot tell you how many times my dad has had a bent rod and just, you know, like you can just know there's a huge fish on and then blink. Yeah. And then it's gone. Or even get it close to the boat and then it runs. Right. Yeah. Dad had a dad had about a twenty pound catfish. 
He's got a video of it. You know, it's all the way up next to the boat, but the problem was he didn't have a net that was big enough uh, to net this, you know, enormous catfish. So, anyways, um, so. Oh, I had a question about uh, waders. It's getting colder. I was in waders. Yeah. So, if you want to hear the whole story, I'll tell real quick. So, um, I took one step off of the the creek bed um, into the stream, like closer to the stream, and my next step was not like firm like it wasn't on firm Uh-oh. ground so i have, haven't had this happen to me before i've fallen in the river before i have never fallen from the side of the river into the river face first whoa <laughs> like uh, and so i just <laughs> splash rod in hand uh water goes right into my waders like yeah. completely drenches my phone and a lady happened to be passing by like probably 15 yards downstream and she heard me and she's like, are you okay? And I was like, yeah, I'm just totally embarrassed. Like, I mean, I was just, I was red. And you were just swimming out of the red river. Red to the gills. Time. I just, I felt like such an idiot. Yeah, those are the moments when you're like, I'm out in nature. I hope nobody saw that. Yep. Well, so, I'm glad you got some good fish though. So. Because you got a broken rod and dunked in the river. Right. So, so the whole thing is I, I fall in, I'm wet, and, I'm, and I see two brown trout upstream and they hadn't moved even with me splashing in so i'm like okay here we go so i try to cast for them nothing they they swam away and then uh finally i made five total casts and i catch this big monster and i'm like nervous and i'm like just don't don't overplay it you know like just try to you know be smart or whatever i finally maneuver the fish off to the side and eventually it gets behind some rocks and some moss and I can't get him out and 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 the line is getting more and more tense and I'm just trying to wiggle him out of there but he's he's firm behind those rocks or whatever and then all of a sudden plink snap my rod oh and I'm and I'm just like unbelievable like I can't believe this happened and as crafty fish as I'm reeling in you know like just dejected I feel the tension still on the line so he's still on. It's just I broke my oh, rod. Oh, nice. So then uh, I was able to dig through the moss and and get it and uh, lift him out because he was actually, it was like some really thick moss. So he wasn't going anywhere, um, but it was behind some rocks and eventually I was able to maneuver him. So And the line might have been caught in the weeds. Or Could have been, yeah. Snag but, on um, a rock around. But yeah, I got, I got him and then I went straight into town and got another rod and, and tried again. Didn't catch anything, but caught one the next day. Uh, some beautiful browns and in uh, Kremlin, Colorado, Muddy Creek. Now, do you do you work the river? Like, do you walk walk up the river in your waders, or do you yeah. s- just like dip in, uh, try it out, make some casts, and then like walk back on the bank and then up? No, I mostly I mostly walk through the river. Um, so I probably only covered about sixty yards. Yeah. Now I probably co- covered a hundred yards, but it took me about three hours. Yeah. Um, so you're just trying to fish pools and places where you think they would be, and um, I mean, it was evident. I mean, the fish were in there. You, it was a it was a beautiful day. Um, I went to the doctor's office, uh, went to the optometrist's, and um, and I, I did my eye exam, and he's like, "Your eyes are, your eyes are getting so bad that like you know we <laughs> we we there's need no, there's we no need to get you, you like we need to get you like super like coke bottle frames." Um, but I was telling him like I could see better in my contacts than I could with my glasses, um, and uh, I I was wearing these polarized 
polarized lenses and I could see everything in that water. Yeah, awesome. that's the trick, the polar. So, anywho. Well, I'm jealous. I that Those are great moments. Yeah. I just love it, man. Standing in the river and then, yeah. My, you get a fish on the line. Like you say, uh, it's such an art. It really isn't easy. Right. I mean, I, I fail a lot with the fly fishing. Yep. Um, yeah. That's I, why the reward I, is I, even I better. actually win very rarely. Right. But I would say, like, the time, the time that I spent... The, the time that I spend like fishing uh, on the bank can get really, really agitating. Whereas when I'm in the stream, like my mind just goes completely blank. Like all I'm focused on is make some good casts, change your line. You know, it's like very peaceful. So, I mean, I think there's even a therapy. There is, there's even a therapy in just not having to do anything, but just make casts. So, anywho. So, um, I guess that's a good lead-in uh, to our topic. Um, uh, I want to entitle... Peter's Fish? Peter's Fish? Do you remember what that is? You're yeah. On. Tilapia, is Tilapia. It? Yeah. yeah. My mom hated it. Uh, we went and got Peter's Fish uh, by the Sea of Galilee, which she really likes fish, but the problem is they serve it to you like with the eyeballs in it and everything, and uh, she didn't like that. Yeah, it is intimidating when the fish is looking up at you. Exactly. So, or, yeah. Anywho, cooked fish. So, um, we are. Uh, I want to. I want to entitle this podcast uh, Two Priests Try to Make a Baby." Okay. Uh, yeah. So. See ya. Yeah. So, uh, <laughs> Father Mike is just hearing this. So, um, don't worry. It's not you. Uh, uh, it's not that I don't care well, for you or whatever. But um, all right. Well, I. I do have to stay in here more, I think. Yeah. So um, uh, recently, uh, Father Jason Wunsch uh, was made pastor of St. Gianna Bretamola Parish. And uh, I think every parish has their own particular charism, their own particular gift. Um, it's interesting that the Holy Ghost, like the, the, the parish Holy Ghost, like part of their mission is to the poor. Part of their mission is like to actually aid you know, persons in, in... I'd say the cathedral, too. That's where I'm at. Yeah. But I would also say, like, there's a reason why, like, the, the cathedral's kind of known as, you know, the catechetical parish. Okay. Like, a lot of things happen there in terms of teaching, preaching, um, and, um, you know, Our Lady of Lords, like, that Our Lady of Lords has become such a, a dynamic uh, parish, you know, almost like it was nothing for a while. Like, it just wasn't, there wasn't really much there. And then drawing from that stream, all of a sudden, like, people are finding, like, healing through it, you know? I just think, I look yeah. at I look at the the spiritual sense of, of certain parishes. So, Father Jason's at, Father Jason's at uh, St. Gianna, and St. Gianna is known as, you know, a medical saint and a motherly saint. Uh, she was uh, one who was a medical professional. And uh, people uh, understood, like, that she was uh, very learned. And then eventually she gives her life in exchange for her daughter uh, because she is diagnosed with cancer and doesn't take uh, chemo and or delays chemo so that her daughter can, you know, fully be healthy, fully yeah. be healthy and everything. So I said to Father Jason months ago. And this St. Gianna is um, just from the last generation. Right. You know, she's she is very recent. Um recently canonized and a recent saint so it's very uh it's kind of new to have a saint gianna mola parish mm -hmm. 
And it is a new parish. He's establishing a new parish. Right. So what I said to what I said to Father Jason is I was like, I would like to make your parish the baby making parish. So we're using some language here that, you know, has some, you know, yeah. edginess to it. But like like I would want your parish to be known as one where people can go uh and really have a devotion to uh you know the the conception, development, and flourishing of children. So my suggestion Yeah, that's cool. My it's suggestion important. To, my suggestion to Father Jason is uh I wanna I wanna uh, get a Madonna del Parto mm-hmm. replica, um which is currently at Saint Monica's or Saint Augustine's in uh Rome. Uh so we did a podcast on Madonna del Parto, Our Lady of the Childbirth, um uh, a couple of years ago. And I wanna get a replica statue of Madonna del Parto and put it at St. Gianna to make like the the intercessory power of St. Gianna even more, okay? So I wanted him to be, you know, this baby-making parish and then eventually I just said, "Dude, we need to we need to do a baby-making mass." So just off the you top You mean you mean like intercessory mass. Intercessory mass, right? Yeah. For people that want to get pregnant, okay? So just for off the top of your head, don't name any names. Like of couples that you know who are struggling to conceive mm-hmm. or struggling to bear children. You know, say they have, they've had miscarriages and um, have a real desire to see you know their children uh, born. Yeah. Like, I mean, how many couples can you name? Yeah, I can. Multiple. Yeah, yeah multiple. Right. And when I was living in Rome. Uh, Father John and I would make regular trips to yeah. see Madonna del Parto and ask her for uh, her intercession right. um, for that cause. A lot of people would get in touch with us, and um, yeah, I think it's a beautiful thing, and I think it's necessary. And 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 apropos, I think it's uh, it's right to have a location for a devotion. Mm-hmm. You know, it's almost like a a pilgrimage spot or right. connecting with that charism. And especially if a whole parish embraces that, like they're praying for this cause. Yes. And they're interested in it, and they're talking about family life, and their catechetical life is kind of surrounded around um, family and children. And their, yeah, their whole spirituality. I, I could see it really defining a parish. And it makes, yeah, it, may, it makes per- perfect sense that way. So it's so needed and beautiful. Did you know? Okay, so I I talked to this um, Patricia Johnson at a recent wedding reception, and she was telling me that there's a shrine of um, Maria Dilata or something Uh like this in St. Augustine, Florida. Okay. That is the same kind of, um, you know, intercessor for the uh, those who want to have children. Beautiful. Yeah. Well, that's uh, it's similar to a devotion from the Holy Land, right? Um, yeah. Uh, there is a, a grotto, uh, the Grotto of Milk, I yeah. think. Um, and it's a devotion of Mary taking care of the infant Jesus, right? right? So we have we have a lot of different devotions. We have a lot of different resources for couples. Um, I'm proud of in our own uh, diocese as well as like through our um, Mount Olivet, our Catholic cemetery here, we do a mass. Um, and burial for all uh, children that were, uh, you know, miscarried babies. Yeah. Um, and you can lay your children to rest and actually have 
a place where you can go to know like they they lie in uh, repose and uh, we're gonna we're, we're gonna continue to see them as inheritors to the resurrection um, yeah so it's a beautiful practice I'm glad and I'm glad to very see healing for a lot of people hugely um, but I would say that uh, infertility is one of those things that we keep very quiet about. It's a very painful subject yeah, for persons. Yeah. Um, and the more that I talk with couples about it and the more that I um, kind of talk to experts about it, I, I felt the, the need to actually allow for them to come together as a league of persons, as a kind of confraternity of persons, to actually pray and encourage and intercede for one another that we are the ones who publicly proclaim we're open to life we desire life we desire a fruitfulness um because the 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 difficulty of infertility is it's it's rooted in a ancient uh sorrow around barrenness mm. in the scriptures you know there are a number of persons who are experiencing barrenness can you name a few yeah sarah mm-hmm. uh elizabeth I guess Rachel weeps for her children. Right. Um, Hannah. Hannah. Yeah. She goes and she wants, uh, she goes to the temple and is uh, crying before the Lord. Yep. Kind of crazy, crazy crying with her prayer. Right. But it's, it's so essential to who people are and uh, such a deep desire and a totally natural desire but something that is even transcends that it's yeah. like a fulfillment that's not only like you know i want to pass on myself somehow which is so profound and beautiful in the human experience you know um what like there's what better can you do than to give life and to raise you know someone it's an incredible privilege of human beings but even like a sort of spiritual um, mission, right? It's, yeah. it's part of a vocation. It's like this is where God has called us toward holiness and fulfillment and to serve the kingdom. Yeah. And so to find yourself in a position where um, you're just this very confusing and difficult situation where you say, I thought this was God's will for us. Yeah. How is this not happening? Yeah. We've been generous. We want life. We are excited to be parents. We set about um, getting married with this intention. I mean, Catholic marriage is like, are you ready to start a family? Yeah. It's you know? one of and the questions you, that we ask. That's what you say. Yes. This yeah. is why we're doing this. Yes. Right. And I don't even think I don't even think that they say that in the civil ceremony, where you know you you say, do you say your I do's? You know, do you do you promise to love and have and hold this woman for as long as you both shall live? I do. But in, in our Catholic sacrament, we actually say, um, do you resolve to accept children lovingly and to raise them up according to the law of Christ and his church? I do. I do. Or I, I am. Are you resolved? I, I Are am. you resolved? I am. Um, and um, so I think that there's that reality that sacramentally we realize that this is one of the goods of marriage and it's one of the ends of marriage. But then also, like, um, I think that it's uh, naturally part of the original plan of God, which is uh, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. 
Mm-hmm. So one of the first things that God says is be fruitful. And so for persons to feel like they're not able to offer themselves for that, it's very, it's very, um, yeah, it's it's very, it's a, it's a poverty. Yeah, it's a poverty that they experience, and I think that they experience alone. And I think it, it's it's uniquely experienced uh, by women, particularly. Obviously, the, as couples, you know, they they sense it, you know, together. They experience it yeah, together. Yeah. Um, but uh, as one of the priests that I was talking to, and even a woman that I was talking to says, like, every month is a continual reminder of the possibility of the the bearing of life. So for, for women, like, on their cycle still, um, it's painful for them who are open to life to not actually be able to see, like, I want, I want to bear, I want to bear life in me and for the world and for God. So why wouldn't God answer a prayer like that? Yeah. Yeah. And that's a profound point. I had, I don't often think of the, the biology itself and how that affects the soul and how that affects the prayer and, um, and experience. But yeah, obviously that's, um, a, a, a regular reminder that I'm made for this. Right. And this is, this is such a, a height of what's possible in my life mm-hmm. and uh and that deep desire even that deep desire for connection like remember there's that beautiful um uh, insight that uh, balthazar makes and i don't know maybe others too but that's where i learned it was that we awake to consciousness of ourselves mm-hmm. in the gaze of the mother yeah being held by the mother as an infant you realize that you are even there and that you're worthwhile and that you're uh, a person by um, in the arms of the mother. Yes. And this is, this is good. This is like the most um, profound good is um, to see. Uh, he also points out, um, Goronsky used to always point out that the Chinese character for good is yes. the mother and the child characters put together. Yep. And, um, and that's just, such a fundamental um it's it's recognized everywhere and by everyone Mm -hmm. right or has been or could be you know should be that this is really um good this is this is as close as you can get to like um the perfect experience for a human being so to be missing that of course um even knowing like okay how valuable our own parents are and just um, grateful for that um, that uh, experience, that relationship, makes us desire to uh, to give that kind of love um, to the next, you know, to our own children, mm-hmm. not our children, obviously, but right, um, yeah, that's the it's, it's it's such a profoundly deep human experience. Yeah, and I think if you there can be this sort of mentality of. Um, making a commodity out of children that's kind of disturbing you know i want when do i want when do you know um is it time for me to like you know embrace this moment in adulthood or something like that and i think the christian is more about um receiving like this is just a beautiful part of the christian life Mm -hmm. and it's not like okay i I got the job, I got the house, I got the dog. Now I got, you know, I want the, to have the experience of having the kid. Sure. And um, 
I don't want to make it too judgy about like being selfish and kind of objectifying that thing, but it's different when um, the desire is really um, to just give life. Right. I want to see someone come alive, you know, and I think that, uh, yeah, just not being able to do that. Or, or if, uh, if a child is sick or a child is um, struggling, both in utero and um, a newborn, we got to have places where people can um, express their not only trust in God, reliance on God, but also ask for help. The communal, know? yeah, the communal intercession. And that's part of the reason why I want I want to form I want to form a league of persons so that they are praying and interceding and offering their sacrifice for someone else because so often like the difficulty that they experience is uniquely personal but it might it might extend to their family or their marriage it might extend to their immediate family their brothers and sisters their cousins etc but are they are they able to offer the difficulty that they experience in not being able to bear life in themselves for the sake of others mm. for the sake of other persons in need that that their that their poverty their difficulty their their sorrow isn't uh an empty vacuous um experience but actually can be transformed by being offered mm. together um, so, yeah, a um, gift to other people. Yeah. Yeah. So I just, just refer- referencing, you know, uh, this catechism 2374 couples who discover that they are sterile suffer greatly. What will you give me? Asks Abraham of God, for I continue childless. And Rachel cries to her husband, Jacob, give me children or I shall die. Um, so there is a, there is a way in which like, uh, we want to relate these feelings to God we want a persons to actually admit to the Lord, like the the difficulty, the sorrow, the pain, but also to one another, to actually to share with one another how they're how they're doing, how they're experiencing it. Um, so Father Jason and I uh, decided that we were going to do this mass at Saint Gianna, and we wanted to invite a number of couples, and um, we found it difficult to actually advertise it because. We, you know, in the time of COVID, it's like we can only have a certain number of couples who yeah, come. It's hard to advertise anything. Yeah. Right. Um, but then also, like, how do you identify these persons? Um, and some of them are persons that you wouldn't necessarily recognize. Mm. Um, so, uh, and I, I would say that some of them is, uh, we know personally. Mm-hmm. So we made a couple, couple invitations, uh, two couples. Um, and then as it turns out, like, um, you know, one of the couples got COVID, another couple, uh, like their grandparents died and they couldn't make it. And then another one, you know, was busy, et cetera. Um, so we decided to hold off and it was just Father Jason and myself uh, who, who showed up for this mass. And we did it. Oh, on- you still said the mass. Oh, yeah. Cool. We did it on the the vigil of St. Gerard. So uh, St. Gerard Mejia, are you familiar with St. No, Gerard? No, you got to tell me again. So my sister, uh, my sister, or maybe it was my sister-in-law, Megan, she was going through a difficult pregnancy, and, and then she goes, I'm, I got to look up who the patron saint of, of child, you know, like, of pregnancy is. And she looked, and it was a dude. And she's like, what in the heck does this guy know about bearing a child? You know? Isn't it a priest, too? 
He's a religious brother. A religious, uh, he was a redemptorist. Yeah. Um, he died very young, uh, probably in his 20s. Um, mm. So, uh, but the story was uh, St. Gerard uh, met a woman who was uh, in difficulty and um, he gave her his handkerchief and he said, uh, hold on to this. And at some point in time, you may you may need it. Um, and that's kind of a weird thing for, you know, religious dude. But sure, she knew him yeah. as a holy guy and he gave her sort of this memento to just remember him. Um, I, I think she was, um, uh, I, I don't know the circumstances of her pregnancy, et cetera. Um, but uh, St. Gerard dies. And um, this woman is uh, going through a difficult pregnancy and actually probably going to lose the baby and possibly herself. And in the midst of her agony, she remembers that St. Gerard had told her that at some point in time she might need this handkerchief. So they bring her this handkerchief and she places it over her stomach. And immediately, miraculously, the child and her are Wow, are fine. Nice. So he was seen as as one who would be, you know, a, a, a patron of of mothers and childbirth. The other one is the blessed mother herself. Right. So, you know, you can't really be upset about the fact. But that. I remember Mahia because a brother Jude of the Franciscans locally, he is the kind of relic master. Mm-hmm. And he, I had a couple who had asked me, you know, for prayers. Um, sure. Because I, it was, it was really because they, um, they had, um, the, the baby was sick. And um, they just weren't, they were uncertain about the, the yeah. kind of the course of the pregnancy. So um, he gave me that Mejia wow. relic. And I, I gave it to them to pray with. Um, Great. And baby's healthy. And um, so that was beautiful. You know, you never know kind of how that works. But um, now, yeah, you jogged my memory that that was. Uh, right. That was the same. So we wanted to do it on the the vigil of of, of Saint Gerard. Um, it was we had association gathering on Friday, so we couldn't do it, but we did it in the evening of of Thursday, whatever. But it was it was fascinating because uh, it was two priests in an empty church offering a mass for infertile couples, and I thought it was really beautiful because I feel as helpless as an infertile couple in being able to produce a child mm. because all of it is related to Lord, this is a gift from you. Mm. We're not going to try to do this on our own. We're not going to use, you know, artificial means in order to create, you know, this life. We're dependent upon you. Mm. And, the 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 fervent intercession that we made i felt like was uh the groaning of creation like lifted up to god to actually say lord we desire this we desire to bear life in a culture of death and a culture of persons and throw away children or throw away the opportunity for life um we actually want to harness our openness to your love and uh, we certainly knew of some of the couples who um, are struggling with infertility, but we didn't just pray, you know, for them only by name. We were we were saying all the people in yeah. all of the church who long uh, to bear to bear life, uh, we open ourselves up to that. We open ourselves up to the possibility because you are the giver of life. You know, I believe in the Holy Spirit. 
the Lord, the giver of life. Um, and the Holy Spirit is the one who we intercede with before God because every child begins in the mind of God. Yeah. Before they're before you were born, before you were before you were ever in your mother's womb, I knew you. So God ultimately is the one who uh, knows the destiny of every human heart. And as priests, I thought it was a beautiful uh, opportunity for us to share in uh, uh, the compassion of those who look upon others with life and long for it themselves. And um, as a celibate, like, I rejoice in life. I, I love people. Sometimes people think priests don't want to hold their baby. It's really awkward for a priest uh, to, like, demonstrate that they do like children because it's kind of like, oh, you don't, you guys don't really know how to do that and you don't really have children, so whatever. And I'm just like, just give me the baby. Yeah, like, yeah. I actually have a perpetual baby bump because of my, you know, little, little tum-tum. So, like, the kids just love it. And I love, I love holding children because to me it's like, this is why parents have really strong arms. <laughs> like I get, yeah. I get tired after like 20 minutes and they're like lugging these kids for like a whole mass. Yeah, they're, they're powerful. Well, it's just such a good thing. You know, the joy of a child, the, the care of a child. Um, and I'm, I guess what, what I'm thinking about is like the beauty of the, uh, the family, the real reality of the family of, um, the body of Christ that, it's not something you had to push yourself to compassion for or like figure out or something like that. It's just when you love your people, then you understand their, their lives and you want the same things they want Mm -hmm. and you care about them. Even if obviously we're celibate and it's not kind of our own, like, you know, preoccupation. Um, it's a share in, in, in the family, you know, and, um, and then also the power of intercession, right? You know, there's belief there that this mean this means something. Exactly, you know? this is going to do something. We have no idea how. Yeah, and I have no I have no thought that like because I've said this mass that yeah. somehow three three, fan, three couples exactly get pregnant. But I do believe that when we supply the faith, when we supply the faith, God does something with it. Um, and there was a real joy in it. Like, as I prayed with, with Father Jason, like, I could, I could feel the elation of, uh, so many couples who, uh, desire to share their hearts with God, not just who have found out that they're, that they're pregnant, but who are open to the Lord's will, that faith is ultimately what conceives and when faith is present in persons, like they they're they're bearing the word of God in them, and I mean it, it's difficult because um, I don't want to make it into some kind of uh, another another thing that people have to do in order to say like they're they they've done everything in order oh, to have yeah. a child. The, you know, it's like check, oh the checklist you didn't touch a relic of Saint Gerard or you didn't go to that mask. You know, it's like no like. God works in your heart, and we just want more people's hearts uh, to be open to the will of God. And uh, so the first Mass that we offered for um, 
I mean, that's what we've been calling it, you know, on text messages, the baby making mess. If somebody has a better name for this and you want to write it in. <laughs> well, I mean, I think it's a pretty good name. We would really, also... we would really appreciate it. I mean, like Father Jason lives right next to like a ton of hotels and uh, the Gaylord uh, in uh, in Denver. So we don't really want to call it the baby making mess. Um, but um, we were really, I was really struck by the fact that the first the first mass that we had wasn't for specific persons in the audience so that we could in in the congregation so that we could say well as you said like two out of the four couples you know got pregnant it's like zero couples got pregnant and uh father jason and i are in a couple um so all we're doing is just is just relating our openness to life to the lord and i I know that he rejoices in that. Absolutely. And I, and I yeah. want to hear, I, I would love for couples who are uh, dealing with infertility to hear someone say, God rejoices in your desire to bear life, your desire to bear fruit, and nothing of what you suffer is wasted or forgotten That's right. or overlooked. Um, and... Uh, I, I, the joy that, that I have in this initiative is that I hope that there is an opportunity one day to see, you know, a, a ton of persons in the church, you know, non-socially distanced, unmasked, you know, Our, Eventually. La- Our Lady Health of the Sick, please pray for this. Um, but like to have them all together and to know one another, to know one another so that when they look across, it's like, it's like that's, that's that couple. Yeah. And they're still bearing fruit. Their lives still have meaning. Um, maybe there's another couple that did get pregnant, and I can rejoice in that. Because well, that's what I was thinking, was like, this has a lot of potential. I know that it's kind of easier said than done, but um, I've also seen the, kind of how Christ works, that you bring those, you bring folks together, and they're in this condition of sorrow. And if they... You know, if they've loved each other first as a community, then you rejoice when others rejoice. You know, if one child is born to 10 couples, they're going to, to some of that sorrow will be mitigated and they'll have a joy. Um, it'll, it'll bolster their hope, but also it's just going to be a shared joy. You're not mm-hmm. alone in the suffering. You have... Oh. Um, the support of others, but then you also have the cause for rejoicing that might not be immediately your own, but when you share life with other people, then their joy is your joy. And I think that that is a particular gift that they have to be able to rejoice in another without just finding like, um, well, it didn't happen to me, you know? Um, so, uh, I, I want to read this passage from the Catechism. I told Father Mike uh, while we, before we were beginning, I was like, man, that's depressing. Um, so I I have said this about the Catechism beforehand. I could never put together the Catechism myself. Um, I, I would just say, like, if we can amplify or, like, expound on this, it'd be a little bit, it'd be helpful. So this is uh, paragraph 2379. Uh, beforehand, it says, a child is not something owed to one, but is a gift. The supreme gift of marriage is a human person. A child may not be considered a piece of property, an idea to which an alleged right to a child would lead. In this area, only the child possesses genuine rights. 
the right to be the fruit of the specific act of the conjugal love of his parents, and the right to be respected as a person from the moment of conception. This is the passage I found difficult, 2379. The gospel shows that physical sterility is not an absolute evil. Spouses who still suffer from infertility after exhausting legitimate medical procedures should unite themselves with the Lord's cross, the source of all spiritual fecundity. They can give expression to their generosity by adopting abandoned children or performing demanding services for others. Performing demanding services for others. Is that like like you're like the professional movers for all your friends? You <laughs> I know, was like, wondering what that means. I was mean. like, what the hell? But like like to me, like what the what the way that that was um uh enfleshed in, in my life was uh I have a friend, uh she knows who she is. Um, and they want to have a child. Her and her husband, they've been wanting to have a child for some time. And um, I came uh, to give blood, and she was given blood. And I was just so moved by that because um, of all the ways in which she could just, you know, kind of pout or be frustrated or just kind of say, like, all I want is to, you know, eat the right diet or do the right thing so that I can be like totally available, totally ready to, you know, conceive. It's like, I'm actually going to sacrifice. And she didn't sacrifice so that she could have a child. But she was performing a demanding service yeah. um, for others. Giving life. Giving life, exactly. And I, I was just like, I was moved to tears by it because I, I saw like uh, her openness, her availability um, is not just limited to, I want what I want, but like, I want others to live as well. And, uh, the persons who are able to, to give, um, encouragement through their suffering in, in, in feeling this barrenness should know, like, this is a great, this is a great gift that you offer. Um, Mother Teresa talks about, how suffering is a is a precious currency, you know. Don't waste it. Mm. Um, and sometimes we don't see that that's that 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 does have have an impact. So, um, yeah, I've been. We pray for conformity to Christ, and I remember once I was lamenting um, a suffering that a friend had gone through with the missionaries of charity, and it wasn't like you know keep your head up like look on the bright side or something. It was, they, they genuinely responded, Father, that's, uh, we pray for conformity to Christ hmm. and suffering is conformity to Christ. That person is becoming more like Jesus and, um, and we should rejoice. And I thought, wow, that is so paradoxical, but so deeply real and Christian. Right. And, um, and yeah, I mean, I could see, like, I get too practically minded, but it, uh, if you embrace embrace that suffering, there are a lot of people who you can serve. Um, I think of, for example, all these people who would like to be married and haven't been, right, or can't, or yeah. whatever, um, aren't, aren't. That's yeah, mostly the case, and that's a suffering for a long time. And you wonder, like, why am I doing something wrong? Am I? Um, kind of neglected by God. Am I, you know, and uh, I've always thought that part of the mystery of celibacy is that we share in the suffering with those folks, mm -hmm. you know, it, this is a natural longing. It's a sacrifice. And 
it's a sorrow not to have uh, marriage and a spouse and uh, family. And, uh, but there's so many people that are in that state, you know, it's, um, and they need, they need people, they need love, they need um, a sort of um, sympathy, you know, someone's there with them. Mm-hmm. And, um, and there's an opportunity for those who are barren to, to share and to help, you know, those people and um, to kind of be available, I think, in a particular way mm-hmm. where it's not like a, another point of comparison. I don't have that, you know, that beautiful life there. Um, but it's like there, there are others who are with me in this suffering. And right. Not to say that God would do that, you know, but it's um, just an opportunity with when embracing that suffering. Suffering is not in vain, and suffering is not something that um, a Christian is afraid of. Mm-hmm. I mean, like naturally we are, but right. um, you know, that, there's glory in the cross. Yeah. But it's, it is mysterious, and that's a really hard thing to accept. It's hard for any of us to accept our suffering. Right. Um, right. But then with, with hope, you know, I tell there's a lot, of, a lot of couples. I don't know how this works. I don't know why. I don't know if it's in the mystery of providence, but people would try to have kids for years unsuccessfully and then have kids. It and happens to some. That perseverance, yeah, not to say that that's... Yeah. you know, can be expected, but, um, that experience I think can also help, you know, build up hope in other people, yeah. you know, keep praying. This is, things are in God's hands. Mm-hmm. Well, I don't know. I, I don't, I, I would love to see this, uh, in multiple dioceses where, uh, we could just have a mass, you know, or like a particular day or days. Uh, my thought is, you know, October, it's month of the rosary. Uh, I think the second Sunday of October is traditionally Madonna del Parto. Um, uh, the 16th yeah. is uh, St. Gerard, um, who uh, is one of the patron saints of, of expectant mothers. Um, and then April uh, 28th, I think, is St. Gianna. So you could do it six months apart, you know, in April and in, um, okay. yeah. in October. But we got to come up with a name. So if you got a name, you know, put it on our... Uh, Email us or... Um, well, I like the working title. Like the working title. It's, it's also not something that you want to... People people might be, um, I don't know, off-put, like offended or... That's what I don't I don't want. know. That's I what just, I don't want. I, I, yeah. So I just want to I want to offer that. Um, I, uh, I, I, didn't, I didn't have any uh, shout-outs planned uh, on this one. Um, well, how about I just... Promise that when I get an open intention, I will say one of these masks. Yes, because I'm convicted, and hey I yo. think it's so beautiful. I'm in. So I, I got a shout out. Okay, it's a quick one. Uh, Molly Neaton over there at Regis holding it down. Cool, wonderful, holy yeah. uh, young woman who was a friend in Craig. Her family. Uh, oh yeah, my the Neatons friends, the Neatons, and she's over there at Regis uh, witnessing to the faith being a great Catholic and being a, a kind of leaven in that community. So thanks, Molly. Our prayers and our, our thoughts are with you. Is he the one that bought that truck that he had under the cloth that it's like bumper to bumper, like anything can break on it and they have to fix it? We I went to their remember. house once. Jim? Jim Neaton. I don't remember the car, but... I don't remember. I mean, it's hard. I believe you. (laughs) So, uh, last shout-out I want to give, because I'm going to incorporate these guys in the spiritual intercession of this. 
Um, I was out in New York uh, a couple weeks ago to see the Franciscan Friars of Renewal. If you don't know these guys, you should get to know them. The community of the Franciscans of the Renewal, whatever they're called, like CFRs, FFRs, uh, Benedict Rochelle's Order, amazing men. Uh, Father Xavier Marie and Father Pierre Toussaint uh, invited me out. Uh, Pierre Toussaint, we're going to do a podcast on him later. Um, I'm wow. also invoking him for uh, uh, couples. I'll explain why later. Um, but um, uh, I was with the TPs, the temporary professed dudes. Ah, okay. So these I, ca- do they, I was thinking of their living quarters. Oh, man. These guys are super cool. They're all brothers. They're all, like, you know, working in different apostolates and everything. Um, but they've got, like, great names. Like uh, Brother Moses, yeah. uh, Brother Lazarus. Do they uh, pick them or do the superiors pick them? You can do either. Okay. Um, you you can you can suggest a name, uh, or you can uh, ask them to pick, or you can keep I think your your regular name, uh, and then take on like a spiritual aspect to it. But um, these cats these cats were so inspiring. The Franciscan Friars of the Newell, what they're doing in the Bronx and New Jersey and uh, in a ton of other places. Um, we would love to have them in Denver at some point. So uh, I'm going to start working that angle. So I got a lot of I got a lot of work to do outside. Well, I do want to pick your brain about like what's the genius of that community. I know they they live radical poverty. Yep. And uh, reliance on the Holy Spirit. And I've heard that their their reliance on the Holy Spirit is really palpable. Like the Holy Spirit is working, and yes. you can just feel it when you're around that community. Right. Yep. So I just want to give a shout out to those guys. Thank you for your prayers, for your witness, uh, for your encouragement, um, and uh, for uh, for letting me come along. Finally, uh, to all couples uh, who are hoping uh, for a child, who are open to a child, uh, who are desiring to adopt, uh, to get pregnant, uh, to do the will of the Lord, uh, I just want to conclude uh, with the Angelus, um, and we'll just do an abbreviated form of that. And um, Our Lady was open to life, open to motherhood, open to the will of God, and uh, ultimately, um, yeah, won our salvation uh, through her availability to the Holy Spirit. The angel of the Lord declared unto Mary. And she conceived by the Holy Spirit. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it done unto me according to thy word. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. And the word became flesh. And dwelt among us. Hail Mary, full of grace, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb, Jesus. Holy Mary, Mother of God, pray for us sinners now and at the hour of our death. Amen. Pray for us, O most holy Mother of God, that we may be made worthy of the promises of Christ. Let us pray. Pour forth, we beseech thee, O Lord, thy grace into our hearts, that we to whom the incarnation of Christ thy Son was made known by the message of an angel, may by his passion and cross be brought to the glory of his resurrection through the same Christ our Lord. Amen. St. Gianna, St. Gerard, and... Um, St. Teresa of Calcutta, pray, pray for, for us. us. May Almighty God bless you, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Amen. Give me those names, please. I need a I need a better name. Laters. Oh.